0: Alas, Michigan head football coach Jim Harbaugh returns from his self-imposed three-game suspension. And I gotta be honest with you, as a Michigan fan, but then objectively as a college football fan, I don't think his return could have come at a better time. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and Rutgers is playing physical football right now and they actually have a superior rushing defense statistically compared to the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan has been without head coach Jim Harbaugh since the beginning of the season. Michigan self-imposed a three-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh and a one-game suspension for offensive coordinator Sharon Moore due to recruiting violations in the COVID-19 dead period. Jim Harbaugh will be back as a head coach on the sidelines for Michigan for the first time since the Wolverines' 45-51 to loss to TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. Before we resume this video, I would appreciate it so much if you hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more Big Ten football and Michigan football content, and inevitably, when Rutgers once again matches up against a big-time opponent, and they're an underdog with a chance to win, I talk about all different kinds of matchups here on College Football with Sam. Rutgers being a Big Ten team, therefore will be featured in several of my matchup preview and prediction and reaction and analysis videos, and I don't only talk about the bigger schools, although since they are bigger schools, and when they're better, they are going to be more focused on, if Rutgers performs well, if they excel, and if they're playing winning football, they're going to get more of my attention. And regardless, when they play Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, there will be videos talking about them along with their respective opponent, who they are facing in that given week. So I talk about all different kinds of Big Ten teams. Comment your thoughts on this scheme down below This is a big test for both of these schools. Rutgers two years ago only lost by seven to a Michigan team that went on to reach the college football playoff, beat Ohio State, and win the Big Ten for the first time under Jim Harbaugh. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights with Noah Vedrill that year only lost by seven. And last year, Rutgers led 17-14 at the half, through a blocked punt, and Gavin Wim sat playing winning football in the first half. Rutgers outscored Michigan 10 to nothing in the second quarter of their matchup in 2022. I was watching this game actually at a restaurant, and I was shocked and somewhat terrified as a Michigan fan that Rutgers was beating us. At the same time, though, I had a confidence about my team last year, as they had already proven that they were one of the better second half teams. In America, and I thought to myself, "Just wait and see what happens in the second half. And Michigan proceeded to outscore Rutgers 38 to nothing in said second half. There is a history between these two schools, one where Michigan has dominated ever since Rutgers upset them in 2014, but under Greg Schiano in 2020, 2021, and 2022, Rutgers in many of those matchups has been a few plays away from winning the football game. Or in 2022, they led at the half and they were playing good football, but then mistakes allowed Michigan to get away from the Scarlet Knights. Michigan struggled against Bowling Green, and even though I can sit here and tell you all day that against East Carolina and UNLV, Michigan looked like the number one team in the country, they were the most efficient team in the nation in week one and week two outside of maybe Washington, The scoreboard doesn't indicate that. Michigan chewed clock. They were bored and wanted to get out of there. And I can't communicate that to you entirely because it's through my perspective. And the scoreboard paints a picture where Michigan failed to cover now for three weeks in a row. And now, after struggling against Bowling Green, showing some vulnerability with J.J. McCarthy's decision-making and the play calling— and Rutgers is coming off of a win over Virginia Tech, a win where Kyle Manungay, their leading running back, has now accrued over 300 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, this will be a test for Michigan. Certainly. Now, it's a test that they could pass with flying colors. They could win by multiple touchdowns. It's a test where they could pass with a C+, B-B, B+ win probably by double digits, but once again fail to cover the spread and have some struggles, and that would lead me and the college football world to begin to question whether Michigan is a college football playoff team and the best team in the Big Ten or not, especially if Penn State and Ohio State win their games in Week 4 convincingly. And there's also the test that Rutgers can pass. They can upset Michigan or play Michigan competitively. And whether that competitively means that Michigan ends up getting away once again like last year, but Michigan looks really good, and therefore we assume that Rutgers is also improved, along with Michigan compared to last year, or more preferably, Rutgers plays Michigan within striking distance and either loses or wins based off of a singular strike or maybe two or three strikes that will determine the game. So, the first conference matchup for the Michigan Wolverines and the second for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights as they opened up against Northwestern will take place at noon Eastern time on Saturday. Both teams are 3-0. and Both teams are top 50 in FPI. Michigan is ranked as the 14th best team in the country according to Football Power Index. Rutgers is rated as the 46th best team according to Football Power Index. And Michigan would be favored on a neutral field to beat Rutgers by about two touchdowns, according to the Football Power Index. The Wolverines are given an 84.9% chance to win, and they're favored by 24 points to win this game. it will be in the big house, and both teams have potent rushing offenses. Michigan's, in my mind, having the much higher ceiling, but Rutgers currently far ahead of Michigan in terms of production on the ground. Check out this statistic and let it sink into your mind. It's juicy. Rutgers currently rushes for over 200 yards per game. They average 210.7 yards on the ground every time they play 60 minutes of football. Michigan, on the other hand, is only rushing for 156.7 yards per game, most of those going to Blake Corum, and against Bowling Green, ironically, when Michigan was struggling... Most in its first three games is when Donovan Edwards was the most alive. So there was that as well. The Wolverines, I think they have a good ground game still. Their offensive line struggled against East Carolina. There were moments against UNLV where it was also, in my opinion, below the standard that Michigan has set over the past two seasons. But against Bowling Green, the offensive line looked great, looked elite. The problem was Donovan Edwards missed a blocking assignment, which led to J.J. McCarthy's only sack of the game, and J.J. McCarthy also forced a lot of errors. He nearly turned the ball over five times, which is concerning, and Gavin Wimsatt hasn't done that, but we'll get to those players a little later when we talk about the specific roster breakdowns, so on and so forth. I want to talk about the line of this game and what many people are thinking. Michigan? has not covered whatsoever in the past three games. In fact, they really haven't come close. They didn't come close to covering against Bowling Green. They were 15.5 points off from pushing the spread. They were 16 points away from covering, and they were several points away from covering against ECU and UNLV as well. It looked different. The first two games, Michigan was not interested, but they played extremely efficient football the third game was actually more of a struggle than it should have been, which bears right for concern. Currently, last time I checked, and I don't know if this is the case, but I think 80% of the bets, public bets, it's actually 74% now, it updated, are on Rutgers to cover the spread, and according to Action Network, the experts are split. One expert, is picking Rutgers to cover. He has a 15 and 28 record against the spread this year. And another quote unquote expert has Michigan covering the 24 point spread. He has a 33, 35, and 2 record against the spread over the last 30 days. So there's a lot of split opinions on this game. I could see Michigan coming out and winning by 40 or 50. I could see Rutgers pulling off an upset and perhaps even winning by double digits. I mean, that sounds bold, maybe lunacy. But if the Bowling Green game is truly what Michigan is, and Rutgers does finally have an efficient offense, Gavin Wimsett's actually a top 25 quarterback in quarterback efficiency rankings, according to ESPN. With Kirk Shiraka as OC, and Greg Schiano as head coach, very fundamentals guy. If Michigan is playing dead, and they're bored, and they're lazy, and they look like they did against Bowling Green, Rutgers could totally win. It's possible. We've seen crazier things happen in college football, also known as Appalachian State. So Michigan, no doubt they're a huge favorite. I expect that most are predicting Michigan to win. Whether they cover or not is a different story. And by all means, Michigan should cover, but it's whether they will or won't. Having Jim Harbaugh back, I think, will help the team. Then again, it is his first game. I don't think he'll skip a beat, but it is game one. We don't know if the team will function differently with him on the sidelines at all, or maybe it will take time, or maybe they immediately function better. I thought the game against Bowling Green was partially affected by Sharon Moore's you know, play-calling, and I thought that that might have been a byproduct of him being the acting head coach, along with still managing offensive coordinator and play-calling duties. On the hand of Rutgers, they have a great rushing offense. Their passing offense, while Gavin Wimsat's only completing around 50% of his passes, he's only thrown for 400 yards, three touchdowns, doesn't even have a 120 passer rating. He is a dual-threat quarterback. He has 144 rushing yards, averages five yards per rush, has a long of 34, and has two rushing touchdowns. That's why he's efficient, is because he's improving as a passer, and he can also run. He's in, he's improving in all areas of the game. 6'3", 225, big, high-ceiling, um, definitely needs work on his mechanics, accuracy, etc. But smart kid under a coach in Greg Schiano and an offensive coordinator in Kirk Shiraka, who are an improvement together than last year's regime with Sean Gleason starting out the year as offensive coordinator. It was a good move by Greg Schiano to fire Gleason as early as he did. So Rutgers is coming in with an offense that is efficient. A defense that currently has 10 sacks and 20 passes defended already with five interceptions. This defense on paper looks like a wasp's nest, and they handled Virginia Tech and Northwestern pretty well. Northwestern didn't score on Rutgers until the final minutes of the fourth quarter. In fact, I think it was the final seconds. Meanwhile, they scored 17 points on Duke. I know the transitive property doesn't always work, but take from that what you will. Virginia Tech has a guy named Kyron Drones at quarterback, who's talented, dual threat, they were able to contain him in his run game, and Rutgers at one point was up 21-3 to in that game. Virginia Tech tried to stage a comeback, but they ultimately fell short, and Kyle Manunguy, Rutgers' offense using motion and Gavin Wimsatt's ground play, put the game away. So, all in all, this matchup favors Michigan, but I think that the Scarlet Knights do have some tricks up their sleeve. And the reason I'm talking the way that I am, I've noticed that I'm you know speaking very slowly, is there there is a possibility for Rutgers in this game to, to pull off the upset, but it is very, in my mind, it's very minor. Even though they've played Michigan close at, at times over the past three seasons ever since Greg Schiano's return in the COVID year. It is very hard for me to process a Rutgers win. Whether that's because I am a Michigan fan, or I'm a college football fan who sees the talent disparity, the fact that Michigan at every position has played the better game, special teams. That's not the case. But then again, Michigan has been starting backups at punt returner in Jake Thaw, who long term I do not think is going to be the starter there. James Turner is improving, and Michigan hasn't really had to put their special teams unit to use. So I think it's underutilized, and I think it's underrated due to Michigan's style of play in these first three games, which is treating every game like a business trip. Now, I don't know—I can't give you quality and quantity data to suggest that the first three games are— just showing flashes of who Michigan actually is. Also, pardon my cat. I imagine you can hear him and his collar, but whatever. Um, He says hi. I can't give you information on that, but I can say that Michigan has played teams close before who are way below their competition, and I imagine that without their head coach, that would be even more so the case. And then they have performed exceptionally well against better opponents, against conference opponents, and sometimes with a team like Michigan, or with any team in college football, there are just off days. Now, this game will help determine that, because if Michigan has an off day and Rutgers has an A-plus game, in that realm I can see Rutgers coming out and winning. Despite not having nearly the amount of blue-chip talent that Michigan does, in my opinion having an inferior staff, and having a worse defense, and offense, Rutgers has improved. They've only allowed one sack on Gavin Wimsatt so far, and they're averaging 4.9 yards per carry on the ground, which, even though they have faced Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech, that's still a better resume than what Michigan has had to face. So they're improving at trenches. I thought they did a pretty good job protecting Wimsat. I watched the Virginia Tech game earlier today, and they also did a good job using motion to give Manungai a big play, his long rush of the year, which was 55 against Virginia Tech. And they have some underrated receivers as well. Jaquay Jackson has five receptions for 99 yards and averages 19.8 yards per reception. Christian Dremel, seven receptions, 72 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. And Isaiah Washington has seven receptions for 65 yards, averages 9.3 yards per reception, doesn't have a receiving touchdown. The receiver core is underrated, but there are players there that can be used, and the receivers are averaging 12 yards per reception. Wimsat's averaging 6.2 yards per pass attempt, which of course means that he's not completing as many passes as would be optimal you want to complete 60 to 70 percent of your passes, not 51.5. And if he has those numbers against Michigan, unless Michigan turns it over a lot, I do have a hard time seeing Rutgers coming out with a win. But Wimsack can run. Michigan has struggled with dual-threat quarterbacks in the past. But Michigan also has their own dual-threat weapon in J.J. McCarthy. Now, McCarthy is only had a limited showing of his ground game. He has seven carries for 35 rushing yards, a long scramble of 17. He's been sacked once so far this season against Bowling Green. He has passed 68 times, completed 56 per, um, 56 attempts. He's completed 82.4% of his passes for 701 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. He has a 194.1 passer rating, An 85.7 quarterback efficiency rating, though. Last week against Bowling Green State University, he had a quarterback efficiency rating of 10.6, which was, I think, the second or third lowest of his career. His all-time low being against Michigan State in 2021, where he had a fumble that his team recovered, and then another fumble in which his team lost which ended up costing Michigan the game. Both teams have efficient quarterbacks. Both teams have beasts at running back. Michigan is Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, and at backup they have Kalel Mullings, C.J. Stokes, and Benjamin Hall. And the Rutgers' Scarlet Knights, they have Kyle Manungay, And they also have Jashon Benjamin and Al-Shadi Salam and Samuel Brown the fifth. I thought that Samuel Brown V was going to be Rutgers' starting running back. That hasn't proven to be the case. I don't exactly know if he's been injured, but he did appear against Virginia Tech and against Temple, so I don't presume that he's injured. I just think guy had the breakout season. He right now was 58 carries, averaging 6.2 yards per carry, 357 rushing yards, and 5 rushing touchdowns and he also has 23 receptions or 23 receiving yards on 2 receptions. Pardon me. I just think Manungai's is the better running back and Rutgers had a deeper running back room than I anticipated. Something that's interesting in my mind is Rutgers having 20 passes defended. That's quite a lot of passes defended. Michigan, for example, only has 6. They also have 3 interceptions returned for a total of 18 yards, and they have two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and they do have eight sacks. And part of Rutgers having better statistics on defense is they've played tougher competition, and their secondary is also really good. It might have been better than Michigan's these past three weeks. The reason I have Michigan's defensive backroom being better is Will Johnson's becoming healthier every week. And Rod Moore might finally be back this week, and he's an all-American caliber safety. So Michigan has been missing players for their first three weeks at those positions. But nonetheless, Rutgers doesn't have the same offense that Michigan does either, which means their defense is on the field for longer and longer. And therefore, there are more opportunities to deflect passes, more opportunities to tackle, so on and so forth, because at the end of the day, Rutgers has allowed more points per game than Michigan has, but their defense is on the field longer. Michigan's offense, meanwhile, will chew clock, drive down the field, score, do it again, and their defense gets quick three and outs. That's another thing, too. Michigan's defense with their starters in, again, Bowling Green being an off game, mostly got three and outs and punts, and then when Michigan's Opponents finally got their yards and T.O.P. back is when Michigan put in their second stringers and third stringers, who aren't nearly as good as the starters, and therefore weren't able to get sacks or tackles for loss or passes defended or interceptions. Rutgers' defense, meanwhile, didn't force nearly as many three and outs. They allowed drives to Virginia Tech, a late drive against Northwestern where they were only up by 24, and they allowed a drive to Temple. So, therefore, greater opportunities to puff up some of those statistics. But Rutgers has a legit defense. I wasn't trying to insinuate that they were a paper tiger there. But you have to take statistics as what they are. For example, J.J. McCarthy having a 194.1 passer rating does not mean that he's Joe Burrow. Because he's not. He is not Joe Burrow. That's not what that means. You have to take into consideration that he's played three cream puff opponents who have no business beating Michigan or competing with Michigan. And that's why he has those impressive numbers. We'll see how good he is against starting this Saturday, Rutgers, and then after that, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. I think in that order. Those opponents will tell us so much more about how good of a quarterback J.J. McCarthy is and how good Michigan's trench play, run game, defense, and special teams are compared to what we saw in the first three weeks. And the same goes for Rutgers. Even though Rutgers has played a Big Ten opponent in Northwestern, and they do have tougher non-conference play in Virginia Tech and Temple, at least Virginia Tech likely being better than East Carolina, UNLV, or Bowling Green but we won't know that until the end of the season as well. Michigan has nine position advantages, Rutgers only has one. They have the better special teams unit. I think Jai Patel is a good kicker. He has a long of over 50 yards and he only missed one in the 30s in his first game of the season as the starting kicker for the Scarlet Knights against Northwestern. So, the Scarlet Knights and Greg Schiano and Rutgers They're good with special teams, they're good on defense, they're good with fundamentals. Their defensive back and linebacker cores are probably close to Michigan's. And potentially, this might be bold, potentially the running back room. This has been a crazy world of college football this year, so I'm not going to leave that out. But at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, I'd also lean toward running back, but I just wanted to bring up that possibility An O-line, D-line, and staff, I would lean heavy toward Michigan in those seven positions. Let's talk about some of my players who I think you should be paying attention to. I think the two quarterbacks are the players to watch out for. Whatever quarterback has the better performance, that alone might decide who wins this game. That sounds very bold, but think about it. J.J. McCarthy has looked far better than Gavin Wimsett has this year so far. A lot of that is due to the fact that he has better receivers, better O-line, and better running backs. He has a better supporting cast. He also is objectively on his own the better quarterback. He is. He's completing over 80% of his passes. He has nearly a 200 passer rating. He's 12th in quarterback efficiency according to ESPN. Seven touchdown passes, The three interceptions against Bowling Green are probably more flukish than actual consistent reason for concern, and he's thrown for 700 yards. Those are impressive statistics, minus the three interceptions against a MAC opponent. Meanwhile, Gavin Wimsatt, he's been efficient. He's been better on the ground than J.J. McCarthy has. He's only been completing around 52% of his passes, though. Only has 400 passing yards and only three passing touchdowns. And he barely has over a 100 passer rating. From a passer rating standpoint, he's not a good quarterback. From an efficiency standpoint and a potential standpoint, he is a good quarterback, potentially a great quarterback. And if he plays his A game and McCarthy has another F, D, lower to mid-tier C performance and Gavin Wimsatt outdoes him, that will be the way that Rutgers is in this football game, because both Michigan and Rutgers, I think, can run the football. And due to Michigan's superior talent, they will probably be able to run the football better and control the game better, just at a baseline level. They could probably do that without even trying. Therefore, Rutgers needs to have the better quarterback play to be in a position to win or in a position to compete. And given McCarthy's performance against Bowling Green him forcing passes, making incorrect reads, being stubborn, not throwing it out, and not having good ball security either. He nearly threw another interception and nearly fumbled on his way down on a scramble in his own territory, which would have resulted in Bowling Green scoring a defensive touchdown. Michigan just didn't get it reviewed by the referees. It's the second time McCarthy has gotten away with a penalty slash a turnover this year, by the way, against these lower-level opponents. If McCarthy doesn't correct these errors, meanwhile Wimsett plays out of his mind, which is possible, whether it's on the ground or through the air or both, I could see the Scarlet Knights putting together drives, controlling the game, Michigan continues to get more frustrated, which results in more mistakes, and Rutgers ends up upsetting Michigan in their own house on homecoming, Due to playing more sound, fundamental, strict football. Both of these quarterbacks were highly rated out of high school. Wimsat was a four-star and then reclassified to enroll early at Rutgers. I think in the, the 2021 season, I think he was a part of their 2022, not 2022, but 2021 recruiting class. He enrolled early for that, was originally a part of the 2022 recruiting class, if I'm correct. McCarthy, I know for a fact, was a part of the 2021 recruiting class, came to Michigan, was their best quarterback recruit under Jim Harbaugh. And right now, from an achievement standpoint and a statistical standpoint, he is Jim Harbaugh's best quarterback at Michigan by a mile. And him and Gavin Wimsatt share that in common, as Gavin Wimsatt is the best quarterback prospect that has grazed Rutgers football facilities as far as I know perhaps in their history in the modern era of college football. So two talented, phenomenal when it comes to potential and physical traits, quarterbacks. They both have some questions with accuracy, and there are concerns for both of them. Will both show up? Will one show up? Um, or will none show up? And it will just be a battle of fundamentals and a battle of rushing attacks. Let me know what you think in the comments below, and tell me your prediction as well. Here's my prediction. I think Michigan is going to cover. I think they're going to win. I've said this for th- three weeks in a row. So if you think I'm insane, who cares? I've done the same thing for Ohio State and they finally fulfilled my predictions. Michigan is too good of a team in my mind to fail here. Now they could. I'm not going to say that it's impossible for them to lose. You will never hear me say that. Never. Because. On every given Saturday, different things, upsets, namely, can happen. But I have Michigan as a top two team, and I don't think a top two team will lose to Rutgers unless this is a fluke loss, it's an upset, and Michigan wins out from here. Maybe that happens. But I have Michigan as a number two team. They're better at virtually every position compared to Rutgers. They have home field advantage. Jim Harbaugh, I think his return is the biggest factor. If Michigan did not have Harbaugh back, I would not pick Michigan to cover. I wouldn't. Because it is clear that whether it's Minter, Jay Harbaugh, and Mike Hart, or Sharon Moore— not having Harbaugh on the sidelines and delegating head coaching duties to assistants and coordinators takes away from their own duties, which negatively impacts the team. I think Jim Harbaugh will correct some of these errors. Michigan will run the football more and with greater efficiency, power, strength, and explosiveness than they have in the first three games. They still will maintain more of a balanced attack than we've seen in years prior, They'll rush for 200 or more yards and pass for 200 or more yards in Harbaugh's return. The Wolverines will also generate two to three sacks on defense. Rutgers' offensive line is not poverty this year like it has been in the past, and there will be moments where they will test Michigan's defensive tackle, linebacker, and defensive end rooms. And I do expect Kyle Manungai and Gavin Wimsat to cause problems for Michigan's defense, at least initially. On the ground. This will be by far the best rushing attack that Michigan has faced all year. And Michigan plays Nebraska and Minnesota right after Rutgers. But when you look at Indiana, when you look at Purdue, when you look at Michigan State and Maryland and some of these other teams, Rutgers has the potential to be in the top half of rushing attacks that Michigan has faced all season long. And Gavin Wimsat's a mobile quarterback who knows how to run a read option, and has athleticism and strength. And I think that Rutgers can compete. I do think that for a half, it probably will be competitive, or Michigan will only be ahead by a touchdown or two, or maybe it'll be tied, or maybe Rutgers is leading at the half and Michigan storms back. I don't know how it will look quarter to quarter because... Michigan is one of those teams where, objectively speaking, we know the least about three weeks into the season, because Harbaugh hasn't been here, and they've played one of the weakest strength of schedules thus far. And for Rutgers, they looked impressive against non-conference competition and weaker competition last year, and they went four and eight. So there's a lot to learn about these two teams, and I think in comparison to today's earlier preview video about Ohio State and Notre Dame, I think we know more about both of those teams than we do about both of these teams. I think Jai Patel will kick a 40-plus yard field goal. I think that Rutgers will have a very hard time getting into the red zone. Michigan's defense is number one in the country. The offense, I'm not going to label them right now until after this game, but I think this isn't a label. This is, you know, a guess that I'm not going to stick to. I think has the potential to be a top 10 offense. I'd say right now, to be safe, I'm going to say it's top 15. Yeah, I'm going to stick with top 15, but it definitely is top 10, top 5, higher than top 5 potential. But I want to see how this game performs before I attach myself to what I think this offense is. But the defense for Michigan, they're great at stopping the run. Their run defense stats are actually inflated towards their opponents. Michigan when their starters are in has rarely allowed anyone to get past the line of scrimmage, but when they put their backups and third stringers in that's when Michigan allows a decent amount of rushing yards. You saw this against UNLV bowling green toward the end of the game when one of their backups had four carries for nearly 40 yards and also against East Carolina. So I think Michigan wins 42 to 10 will dominate this game, but there will be good signs from Rutgers, and maybe the 42-10, to 10, maybe we look back on it, and we have the opinion that the game is closer than the score indicates. And Michigan just pulled away in the third or fourth quarter, and this game was a dogfight for the first 30, 35, 40, 45 minutes. So, There are all these different possibilities but i think michigan wins and wins big before they have to prepare to go on the road to face nebraska and minnesota in a back-to-back underrated road stretch thank you to my patrons for sponsoring this channel i want to give a special shout out to spencer bringhurst my all-american patron and will loftus gabriel calendar roaming gnome and matthew sale my all-conference patrons thank you so much for supporting this channel Support's appreciated, never expected. And speaking of Patreon, this weekend, I am live-streaming a watch party for the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. That will not be on my Patreon. That will be on YouTube. Everyone will have access to it. However, on Saturday, there will be another game that is to be announced on my community section either tomorrow or Thursday, There will be another game, potentially Michigan against Rutgers, where I will be live streaming a watch party on Patreon instead. So stay tuned for that. Check out my Patreon page for other exclusive content, and to have your name shouted out at the end of the videos, click the link in the description to check out my Patreon page. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you guys have a great day, and I'll see you around. Bye-bye.